Hi, this is Kelly. And this is Jenna. You're listening to ODFM. This episode is One Dance from Murder. Hey guys, just a side note on this episode. This was our very first one that we ever recorded, so the sound quality is not so great. But try to enjoy the story. It's a good one. Yes, my story's fun. Well, you've probably seen it on, uh, oh, you've, I don't know, did you ever watch the, what was it, 48 Hours or Dateline? It's been on a lot. I remember you telling me there was a 48 Hours or Dateline, and I was wanting to watch it, but I can't remember if I did or not. Yeah, yeah. they filmed some stuff outside of my house. So this is, okay. So it's so weird. Okay, start from the beginning. Okay, so it's the story of Miriam Helmick. She was known as the Whitewater Widow. And um, oh, she, she got a cool. She got a cool name, huh? Cool she got a cool name out of it. Yeah, white water. That's hard to say. It is the white water. We'll just call her W three. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just going to W three was W three neighbor back in 2006 to 2008. We lived in out in Whitewater because that's how she got her name, obviously. Okay. It's a rural Makes sense. Area. Right. Yeah. It's a rural area outside of Grand Junction here in Colorado. And in that particular area we lived in, every house had at least an acre of land. And our house, I know, it was nice. Our house butted up to their land, which was a total of 40 acres, I think. But our houses were only still about 150 feet apart, so you could still see each other. And one day, I, it was like hot and windy, which is always so hot on that side of Colorado. Like you would not know Colorado is like this. It looks like Arizona on that side of the mountains. So they call it the West. Weird. I know. It's really We had scorpions and stuff. I mean, it was, it's like Arizona. In Colorado? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. I know. Interesting. Very different. But only on that side. On this side of the mountains where we live now, no. Just quick side note. Is it wrong? And maybe it's not seeing as what we're talking about. But when you start telling me about how, how much land you had, mm-hmm. the first thing I thought of was, wow, that's a lot of places to bury a body. It's <laughs> a lot of acres. <laughs> that's what came oh. to mind was I was oh. like, oh, that's yes. interesting. Please <laughs> come in with that because she has those 40 acres. Mm-hmm. See, I've watched way too much. Okay. Yes, see, you know, you're a very good investigator. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So in, okay, I have to look at the date. Oh, yes, it was June 10th on t- of 2008. And I only know this because I looked it up. Otherwise, I wouldn't remember. But um, I was outside with my one-year-old and three-year-old boys back then. Um, <laughs> but I remember seeing, I know we're old. I remember seeing an ambulance over there and a bunch of cop cars at the Helmick's house. And I was like, hmm, what's going on? You know, I better stay out here and watch. And Well, uh, yeah. I'm watching and more and more cars keep coming in there. All these unmarked police cars. So stay out there a little bit longer. And eventually a cop comes over to my house and he's like, hey, yeah, I got to ask you, have you heard anything strange this morning? Or, you know, and I was like, well, it's been really windy and it's always super windy out there, like 80 miles per hour wind. And so I heard things banging around, wow. but so I wouldn't have known. And, and I was like, is everything okay? And he's like, no, Alan Helmick has been killed. No. There's been a robbery homicide next door. So um, they're allowed to tell you that like right away. They're just like, I, yep, it's a robbery homicide. No, I was so shocked. I was like, uh, are we okay? Should I be inside? And he's like, no, no, this yeah, right. seems like it's a, you know, a set thing. Like they had a plan. So, um, oh my, I know. So I had to look up all the info about these people. So Alan 
was in his 60s at that time. He grew up in Delta, which is really close to Grand Junction and actually um, Whitewater's halfway between those two towns. Okay. So that's where he grew up. He had married his first wife for, he had been what? Married so long. They had been together since they were 14 and he's in his 60s. Dang. He was super successful, um, multimillionaire. Okay. So this is when he's 59, he decides to go take dance lessons at this local dance place in Delta because his old sweetheart, his first wife, Sharon, she um, loved dancing. And so he was kind of doing it in her memory and to try to get over her. But okay. Where she, she had passed away of natural oh, causes. Yeah. She had. Okay. You know, with the basis of this podcast, right, I felt like I had to true. ask. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. She okay. died. Yes. And they had three kids together, all grown up by this time. Okay. He was a millionaire. He ran a local savings and loan place. So he goes to this dancing, takes ballroom dancing lessons. And the teacher happens to be this Miriam lady. Yes. And she finds out that he's wealthy and she's like, oh, I guess I could start up a relationship with this man, you know? Yeah. So he's 59. She was 48 when she moved to Colorado. She moved from Florida. She said that when she first met Alan, that he sort of grew on her a bit, such a gentleman and very sweet. And to me, I was like, yeah, that means he had a big wallet. So um, <laughs> they, they were married not long in, after their relationship started in June of 2006. So it was like six months or something. Oh my. Just met, and it was weird because we had met them before they got married. She moved in, and he introduced us. And she never really spoke. She was really kind of weird, and I I just kind of remember that being like, huh? Because Alan was super outgoing and friendly and kind, and I probably only met him three times total. But this uh, house that was next door was that was that his house with his previous wife? No, no, he got it for Miriam because she wanted a place where she could raise horses. She, oh, oh, yes, and damn, big estate. Yeah, it was beautiful. This house, it it must be millions of dollars now, especially in Colorado. But so shortly after they got married, Alan started becoming sick, like a lot. So sick that he would be sick for months at a time. He was constantly dizzy, and his kids claim that. He was always healthy before this. So I am, I think somebody else has also seen the movie The Sixth Sense. Yes. I think mm. she's a lot of movies. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and almost as soon as they got married, nobody could get a hold of him. So, like, you would try to call his phone. And I remember trying to call his phone to talk to him about his horses that were chewing on our fence. And <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't get through. Like, it would go to Miriam and she would return all the calls. Even his own <gasps> couldn't get through. Oh, that's bad bad sign. That's bad news. That's bad news right away. Not good. So he had bought her a dance studio. Also, she had wanted a dance studio. So he bought her that. It was bleeding money. Wasn't successful. So he, you know, they started the uh, horse farm where she wanted to breed horses. And apparently that is never successful. But (laughs) from what, well, you know, from, from what I know, all my money experience, you know, I, I, yeah. raising horses breeding horses and dance studios are they're not in the top 10 I can tell you that yeah the Delta Colorado I, can, I can't even describe how tiny that town is I can't imagine I mean I can imagine horses being popular but not dancing so so apparently he had no clue that it was being 
kind of bled dry that his all her stuff was. So um, she started writing checks out of his account, not telling him, bled him dry of $140,000. And he Damn. To the bank's like trying to get a hold of him, calling constantly, can't get through, sending letters constantly. But get this. Okay, so before Alan's murder, it was about a month and a half. The two of them go on a trip to Delta to uh, do something. I don't know. And Miriam claimed she needs to use the bathroom. So she had her husband open the trunk to the car and she got, she said she had to get some stuff out to go to the bathroom, goes back there and goes inside the business and he stays in the car waiting. And then while he's sitting there, the car catches fire with him sitting in it. What now? So <laughs> Wait, went, what? Yeah, the car caught fire. He's sitting in it and the car's he's sitting in the, okay. In the what? car. And he sees a fire, you know, and smells the smoke. He comes running out. He extinguishes the fire, finds that there was a wick that had been shoved into the gas tank. <gasps> yeah. And workers. Well, that doesn't happen by accident. I don't care how windy it is there. Yeah. Those just don't blow in there. Okay. <laughs> just, does not happen. just blew into my gas tank. It blew right into my gas tank. It was insane. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. But workers who were at the business that Marie went to the bathroom in, they said they could smell gas in the bathroom after she left the bathroom. So yeah, big heads up might be Miriam. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, oh my gosh. We're trying to suggest to him that, you know, it could be her. And he was kind of like, yeah, maybe. But so then um, just over a month after that, Miriam makes her 911 call claiming there's a robbery and that Alan, who's now 62, is dead from a gunshot to the back of the head. Um, yeah, lying next to him are a 25 caliber shell casing, a wallet and a cell phone. Apparently a 25 caliber is really weird because I mentioned it to my husband and he's like, what kind of gun is that? And I'm like, I, right. yeah, <laughs> apparently he's all texting me. When did he get that accent? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't seen one of them tap. Uh, yeah. So, but police said the crime scene was all wrong. She claimed it was a robbery, you know, that there was nothing stolen. And they said it looked staged because everything. Um, isn't that like, you know, like you know, crime 101? Like you, things have to be stolen for it right. to be a burglary? Isn't that- yeah. <laughs> Come on, Miriam. So, so she said she left their house around that, you know, like 830 that morning with money from her husband for a shopping trip. Um, she said he went to go take a shower and then he was going to meet her in Grand Junction for lunch at a Chinese restaurant. And she said she tried to call him lots of times and he wouldn't show up and she left all these messages on her phone. And the um, only person that called her back was her. Yeah. Because. <laughs> yeah, because she answers the phone. Because <laughs> she's the only one who answers the phone. Says, wait. Oh, hello. Wait. I'm so confused. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so she, let's see. Da, da, da. Oh, one of the things she said, oh, I loved reading her, the transcripts of the messages she's right, that she's leaving him, you know, and like, oh, I'm here now. You should probably pick up your phone, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, control it. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. I keep it in my purse. I totally forgot. Right. My bad. <laughs> oh, my God. And then she stopped at a convenience store in four other locations. She made sure she stopped at a lot of places and got receipts. Before she plant, she was to meet Alan. Um, you said planted, planted. You, you said so it's like, you. Oh, I threw that in like there. Before after. she planted the end. Oh, oh, 
not yes, to say that. Not, uh, <laughs> let, me, let me not give away the whole story right away. <laughs> Before she plants and the stuff. Um, it's bad. So yeah. someone broke into their house and, and it was a, it was a burp. It was a, it was a, it was a robbery in the, in the middle of the day, in the morning. Yeah. In the desert, in, it's, on an estate of 40 acres that it takes, there's only one way in to their place. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know you would see any car coming from a mile away. So yeah. No. Well, you would think, yeah, you would think that you would at least wait till like nighttime or yeah, something. No, I feel like I could pull this off way better. I already feel like I could do I this think better. You could. Yes. Well, <laughs> there's more. So she, oh dang, okay. So she did spend the morning running errands, and that was well documented, but. There was a mismatched account of how she cleared the deck for the busy day's schedule. So a oh. granddaughter was supposed to come to the house, Alan's granddaughter, for an afternoon horse riding lesson. But early that morning, uh, Miriam had phoned the riding instructor to cancel. The granddaughter lived about 45 minutes from their house, and they hadn't gotten picked her up the night before, she said. So that's the story she told the riding instructor. But she gave a different version of that when she talked to Alan's daughter, the mom, oh. granddaughter, she told her it was the writing instructor who, who canceled, but the instructor said she lied. So what up, Miriam? Because when you are plotting a murder, yeah. you know that people are not going to talk to each other and right. compare stories. What are you that thinking? never happens. Yeah. And then she gave a bogus explanation for why Alan's daughter hadn't been able to reach him on the phone. She said that Alan had come home drunk the night before from Delta, which mind you, it's 15 minute highway drive at least. So you don't want to, but investigators checked that story out and they talked to the bartender and learned that Alan hadn't been in there at all. Ooh, get this. When they ran a gunshot residue test on Miriam's car, they found a curious particle on her steering wheel. A curious particle. A curious particle. That's all I could find out about that. But, <laughs> <laughs> curious. But, you know how um, Alan had been sick for a lot of time, you know, on there. Oh, yeah. Technicians examined her computer. I mean, this was so cool to hear how they investigated everything. But they, she was doing online searches. Oh, and this is just her computer. She had her own separate from Alan's. She of course she did. Online, of course. Searches for ambient overdose by purple foxglove and Viagra overdose. So Ambien, I know, Ambien's a sleeping pill. Foxglove is a poison and Viagra is an erectile. We all know what Viagra is. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but it can have serious side effects for those with heart problems like Alan. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, Well, if she was going through all that, then what, did she just get impatient and just I decide? Think, I think so because he'd been sick for a long time. It wasn't working. His kids had figured that was going on but um when the medical examiner conducted the autopsy they didn't find any traces of poison but it could have been long enough you know that's my idea like i don't know interesting i know and maybe foxglove isn't very traceable (laughs) (laughs) i haven't heard of foxglove being used for that i i have not i have not heard of that one of course i haven't researching on how to poison people but you know i can't say that i have either or at least i won't say that i have Okay, I, good. I should not say, right? Yeah, please don't. Don't right. tell us ahead of time. <laughs> but then she has this friend that came to come home with her. This is after the murder. As they pull into the garage, Miriam noticed that her police, the police tape that was along her door, I remember seeing it, and she purposely left on the front door. 
it had been removed. So her friend said they walked over to the front door and underneath the welcome mat was a bright red or bright red, bright yellow canary envelope. I don't know why I needed to say it was canary yellow, but yeah. So they, it, it helps, it helps the mind's eye yes. to, to be there. It's not right? just any yellow. It's not banana yellow. It's canary yellow. Canary yellow. Yes. And on the front, it said to the grieving widow, which I thought was funny because they showed it and it's spelled wrong. Grieving is like Griving, I think they wrote griving. Griving, the griving widow. The griving widow. <laughs> so they open the card on the fr- or on the inside of it is Alan was first. You're next. Run, run, run. So, <laughs> so bad. And the funny thing is, she came to our house after she found that note, and luckily I wasn't home. Josh was home, <gasps> and um, she tells him all about this note and how she found it, and. From the get-go, he's like, oh, she's guilty. She's she's the one. <laughs> so as soon as she left, he wrote down all the details, the time, everything, and <gasps> the, the detectives. So he ended up oh having my gosh. to actually testify in the trial again. No way. Yes. Which he was horrified. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Yes. I, right? I'm, I'm jealous. I know. <laughs> I thought it was so cool. But. But this is so cool. So the investigators found that that particular card was sold at a chain of city market grocery stores. Do you have a city market there? You have Dominic's, right? Or We did. They all closed down too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. City market's a huge chain out here. Okay. So, and, and it's pretty close to where we live there. But using the UPC code on the back of the card, they were able to trace the card to three purchases from the latter half of June. And they had surveillance video of those purchases. And they even showed the surveillance video and is Miriam buying the card, wearing the same clothing that they interviewed her in. Yeah. Crazy. Out. So cool. Oh my gosh. Um, so okay, that is really, that is really crazy cool. I know. And I was like, wow, they're doing good investigations in this tiny little place in Colorado. I was amazed. I bet she's really kicking herself that she didn't just write it on a post-it. Right. It, totally it, untraceable. Yeah. Run, run, run. Right. right she goes right no no she had to go and buy a greeting card yeah and that they were able to trace because it was this ugly ass card that only like three people wanted to buy she should have bought a better looking card well what was it like condolences or congratulations <laughs> like what was the card you can show the front of it and it's like an einstein quote and it's an old granny in a chair and i can't remember what the einstein quote was that's on the front so stupid what an odd Okay. Isn't it? Yes. So, but that wasn't the only evidence. So, you know, that $25 bullet casing they found? Yes. So that was her ultimate downfall because they couldn't find the gun, but Alan's daughter remembered that he had one and it was an heirloom. Oh, and this is cool too. So this gun, it's missing from the home inventory when they do an inventory check. But 20 years earlier, that same gun had been fired in a domestic dispute involving Alan's daughter's grandparents. <laughs> her grandpa had been arguing with her grandma on their front lawn, and a neighbor saw what was happening and that the grandpa was about to shoot. So he intervened, jumped on the grandpa, and the gun went off. The bullet went to the lawn. And the investigators, they went searching for that neighbor from 20 years earlier, found him. He showed him where in the lawn he thought it was. They found the original bullet casing Get in the lawn. Out. 
Is that no crazy? Way. So they were able okay, to that is crazy. I know. So cool. So they were able to compare it with the bullet casing they found at Alan's murder scene and the one in the lawn, and they matched. They were from the same weapon. So that's how they were able to connect it to Miriam. Oh, oh that is cool. More. Okay. So here's why she's called the Whitewater Widow. Before moving to Colorado, when she was in Fort or in uh, Fort Collins, Florida, had a previous husband. He died of a gunshot wound to the head while lying in bed with her. Say so, uh, Yeah. So supposedly, so it was his his birthday. They were lying in bed. Well, that's just mean. I know. Of course. <laughs> he woke up early. She said she was going to go do her normal exercises, but instead went back to bed. And her husband then, his name was Jack, he supposedly shot himself with a 38 that he had kept in the nightstand next to the bed because he was distraught over the death of their daughter who died in a well manner. Supposedly he, you know, she says he committed suicide. The investigating officer that came to the call, her 911 call, was her half-brother. And he was the one who decided it was a suicide. Fishy, fishy, yeah. fishy. Yes, very fishy. They couldn't pin it on her. But um, one other thing that was fishy about it, he was left-handed. The gun was in his right hand when they came across him, and the gunshot wound was in his right temple. So come on, people. Details. I know. Details are important. Details. Um Saint Mary. She did it. Yeah, and his brother always thought that she did it. Let's see. Oh, so and, she was kind of a suspect, but they couldn't right and prove they, anything after they um, after she killed Alan. Florida reopened the or revisited the case, but they said once they looked at it, they couldn't discover anything new or anything that would merit reinvestigating it. So they closed it again. Yes. Hmm. Oh, and during that Dang. time, she was the beneficiary of a hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy of that husband that died. Dang. And there's more. So <laughs> she she ran, I know, this woman, she ran off to Florida during the investigation of her killing Alan. So this is back after she kills Alan. She leaves Colorado, goes to Florida because her, her son's still there. While she's there, they arrest her after they get enough evidence they find in her purse a driver's license paycheck stubs and credit cards all under the name of Sharon Helmick which was Alan's first wife so she <gasps> was trying to take on her identity and internet files so they took that computer that she was using in Florida and they find that she was browsing more than 200 profiles of men on millionaire dating site contacting several of them trying to start dating some millionaires so was she planning on trying to marry another rich man and get away with it again. This is very interesting. Also, the fact that I didn't know there were dating websites purely for millionaires. I feel like this is information that would have been useful yes, ladies, years ago. Ladies. <laughs> but yeah, so they figured that the whole reason she killed him, Alan was because she was stealing from him and that he figured it out and was going to divorce her. So she decided she had to get rid of him. Gosh. They never could find gunshot residue on her, but they think what she did was she showered and changed clothes before going into town then somewhere got rid of that clothing and the 25 caliber gun but they've never found it they and i remember them going over their land so this is where the land comes oh. with metal detectors trying to find something and i'm guessing it was probably that gun Ooh. oh so oh good gosh. 
That is crazy. I know. So she was convicted of first degree murder, sentenced to life in prison, plus 108 years for 14 counts of fraud for all the checks she wrote. Holy. Whitewater widow. Whitewater widow. Oh my gosh. And that was your neighbor. That was my neighbor. So, oh, after she, after Alan's death too, I was so stupid. You know, my husband's the whole time like, oh yeah, it was her. It was Miriam. She totally did it. I'm like, what? No, nobody does that stuff. What? I take her a big gift basket of fruits and and stuff. No, I took her this giant basket and. You're kidding. I shouldn't shouldn't have wasted money on her. Just saying. That's so, what happened to the house? Like you guys still lived there. Like. Yeah. What like what happened to the house? Did they sell the house? Did someone else move in? Yes, and we got new neighbors. And I remember at one point, how was, did they find out about their house? Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. I don't think we ever <laughs> told them. Like, oh, did you know there was a murder in your, your <laughs> right. house? How does one bring that up in yeah. casual yeah, conversation? Like, oh, nice to meet you. Oh, do you know what happened over there? Right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I, yeah, no, those they were really nice. They had eight chihuahuas. The new people that moved in. They, Eight chihuahuas. It was like a game. Oh and I know one would get the rest riled up, and you were like, "Your life." <laughs> yeah, maybe another. You have, you have weird know. neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe don't live out in the rural areas. I don't know. I don't right. know. Maybe I'm the weird neighbor. But. My sources for this episode are Murderpedia deadlywomen.fandom.com and The Last Dance on Dateline by Dennis Murphy. Thanks for listening to another episode of ODFM, hosted by Kelly DeVries and Jenna Swanson. Production and editing by Kelly DeVries. Theme music by Eric Swanson. ODFM is a satirical true crime podcast for entertainment purposes only. The stories you hear are serious and true. The comments and opinions are not. We apologize if any of our content is harmful or disrespectful. This podcast was created using Anchor. If you have a story you'd like to submit for a future episode, please email it to odfmpodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook and Instagram at odfmpodcast. And check out our website, odfmpodcast.com, for more information on our episodes, your hosts, 